0: everybody and welcome to the keith costas podcast i'm your host bob ramsey right next to me is the star of the show keith costas mlb network analyst and uh keith we had declared a few weeks ago there are are no dog days teams the teams that are the halves that are in it they're getting after it now and and nothing has changed my mind about that uh, position we we took
1: yeah, it's uh, it's pretty unbelievable how quickly things have changed. I mean, we started the season thinking we had some super teams and they didn't exactly hold up their end of the bargain for the entire first half. But now we get towards the last quarter of the season and all of a sudden the Dodgers are rolling, the Yankees are rolling, the White Sox have been rolling for most of the year in a weak division. But yeah, we just saw Dodgers and Padres last night and there's no better example than the way those two teams have been trending. I mean, the Dodgers, I know everyone knows how good they are, but They've basically had an on stretch and an off stretch throughout the year, this roller coaster. And you look at those five stretches where they've been very good. They're 50 and five. I mean, what? I'll do the math for you. That's 147 win pace over 162 games. So they have literally been unbeatable, even with some of the stuff they've dealt with. I mean, we've talked a couple times about Bellinger being a complete no show. Kershaw's obviously been hurt. Bauer has his own issues, but, they just reload with these, these moves they made at the deadline and their role players are rolling and they look like they're unbeatable literally right now. And then you look at the Padres. I mean, they have to fire Larry Rothschild earlier in earlier in the week. I mean, fall guy, I would say so. They had the best rotation ERA in baseball through mid June. They got some injuries. Some guys aren't performing up to their standards. I don't know what Larry Rothschild is supposed to do about that. He's been in a major league dugout for 32 years, and all of a sudden he doesn't know how to do the job. That just doesn't exactly ring true from the outside looking in. So, yeah, that NL West race has really taken quite the turn.
0: And I don't want to overstate it. You guys had the Dodgers and Padres on last night. Um, Yeah. For me, I guess because I um, uh, took in the the injury factor, to me it's been the Padres' offense.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. that, That has
0: fallen short. 100%
1: 100% yeah they, I mean they went where do we got to get the numbers right here 10 for 111 in the oh Dodgers series. they hit 090 in the series and it's just kind of unbelievable like you said what's happened with that offense I mean they obviously have the star power with Tatis and Machado but last year and heading into this year it was all of the quality role players you know it's hard to, dis- to differentiate between the guys like Cronenworth and Grisham and our old friend Tommy Pham from St. Louis they kind of had the same quality of secondary players, even like an Eric Cosmer whose best days are behind him, but still obviously a solid contributor. They had so many of those guys and they've just faltered. I mean, you know, speaking of fam specifically, someone that people watching this in St. Louis are obviously familiar with, it's tough to watch him right now. I mean, he's really had one good month with the Padres. We did the last Padres Dodgers series, which was in June. And he was on fire. He had one of the best months of anybody in the league in June, but you kind of take that out of the mix and look at the full two year stretch with the Padres you know, war isn't the be all end all, but he's not a bad war. He has a negative war. He's been below replacement level. If you take that June out of his Padres tenure. So is Tommy Pham the, at the head of the list, their problems. No, he's not even yeah. close, but just what's kind of happened with him and the inexplicable nature of how he's disappeared. We touched on Frazier last week. He's been a complete no show after being one of the better hitters in the league this year. And in, in Pittsburgh, obviously a little different situation in terms of pressure when you're in a pennant race with the Padres, as opposed to playing with the bucks. but. Yeah, they've just had a lot of guys go flat offensively in addition to the pitching injuries.
0: Let's jump around the uh, around baseball a little bit. But first, we'll stay with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's the latest on Kershaw, although they act like they don't need him? Um, it, it, what's that situation? Because I think that's the tipping point of them being able to win the World Series.
1: Yeah, I agree. And mum is kind of the word there with uh, yeah. with what's going on with Kershaw. We asked the questions that you have to ask and did not exactly get any telling answers from anybody we talked to with the Dodgers last week. He looked he was in the dugout. You know, it just kind of struck me when Scherzer came off the mound last night. Another dominant performance. We obviously know what the roster looks like. And obviously Kershaw is out right now. That's what we're discussing. But he gets into the dugout. And he's joking around with Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer. Obviously, they're never on the field together. You see him in the dugout three in a row like that. Whoa, man! That's not even Impressive. taking Urias into consideration, who obviously dominated last year's postseason. But back to the original question, I'm with you, Rammer. Clayton Kershaw, especially to mix up, you know, left right the way they can with that Dodgers rotation, give all kinds of different looks. I mean, just completely different styles of pitching. You're not seeing similar guys from similar sides or similar similar arsenals. Yeah, Kershaw's is a big key to me, but I think anyone's guess is as good as anybody else's at this point because there's nothing really coming out of Dodger Stadium there as far as
0: intel on that situation. One more Dodger thought, and this is me looking for problems. I admit it. I'm turning over. You've got to, you've got to look
1: for, for them. I got to look
0: for them. How can Dave Roberts keep so many guys happy on the bench?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could have posed that question to uh, to either team that we were discussing out west of the Padres, too, with some of the guys they've picked up that we talked about last week. But well,
0: Betts back, with Mookie back, that's...
1: Yeah, 100%. With Betts back, I mean, that was the question that when they got Trey Turner, who was going to have to sit, and it looked like Cody Bellinger, but that Betts injury kind of answered the question for him for a couple weeks. But I think it has to be Bellinger. I mean, he's yeah. hitting well below 200 at this point, and it's not like you know, we've got the Cubs and the White Sox tonight, and they just activated Yuzmati Grandal. He's hitting 188. He has the second highest on base percentage in the American League behind Vlad Guerrero, and he's going to hit his homers. That's not what Cody Bellinger's 170-ish average looks like at all. There's not any type of plate discipline and walks. And, you know, he did have a couple two-homer games earlier this month, but there hasn't been the power there. So he's obviously still a good defensive player and a versatile defensive player, but they have so many pieces now that they don't really – not only do they not need to mix and match like they did the last couple of years, they don't really have the ability to just say, oh, well, Bellinger's at first today, and we move Muncie to third. And with as many good players as they have, they've got a lot of guys that have to play every day. So yeah. they don't have the opportunities to use that versatility very much. So I think it has to be Bellinger that's the odd man out. And I'll take it a step further. I was driving today listening to MLB Network Radio, and Ryan Spielberg posed a situation that I hadn't really thought of Bellinger could be a non-tender candidate after this season. He made $16 million in arbitration this year. That's going to go up, and he's not going to want to take a, a deal under market value. And with the kind of roster they put together, I wouldn't expect it to happen. I would have been shocked if you asked me three hours ago about the prospect of Cody Bellinger being DFA'd. But, but once I thought about it, I said, that actually makes some sense. It's something to have on the radar. So obviously lots of excitement for the Dodgers between now and when that decision has to be made but yeah kind of crazy to see the fall that Bellinger's gone on.
0: It seems like it wasn't too long ago that everybody in New York City thought the sky was falling in the Bronx yep. and um, and now we've got the uh, now we got the goal line uh, the goal line stand lineup and uh, <laughs> th- things are really rolling for them right now.
1: Yeah, they are. And it's pretty amazing that they haven't had a winning streak like the one they put together in almost 50 years. I mean, I maybe it's closer to 60 years, actually, now that I think about it. But you think all the success they have, I mean, tells you how hard it is to get on a streak like they've been on recently, especially not being at full strength with some of the pitchers that they have in the mix that they're still trying to get back. I mean, they're not guys that you necessarily counted on for, for huge inning loads, given their recent history with the Severinos and the Klubers and whatnot. But still, those are those are big pieces that they haven't had, and I think kind of the other interesting dynamic with the topic we're discussing is some of these contenders or thought-to-be contenders falling out of the race in all these divisions around baseball is that they have kind of bullies in their backyard that they have to deal with. So you talk Padres, well, they look right up the road at the Dodgers who look like a complete juggernaut. You talk the Yankees getting things rolling, that's happening as the Mets. Are regressing. You look at the Cubs falling out. Well, they've got the White Sox right in the backyard that are making noise for the first time in a while. So, aside from just the on the field stuff, I mean, the narrative around these teams and the vibe around the fan bases, it's just that it stings that much more when you've got your rival right in your own backyard that is kind of trending in the complete opposite direction. And that's the case in New York for sure right now.
0: I'm probably asking this a week or 10 days too early because we really need to have some more games go by to see it take shape. Will the Mm -hmm. Yankees catch Tampa?
1: Oh man, I don't know. I, I am out of the business of ever betting against the Rays <laughs> under any circumstances. You're it's just not it's not a good proposition for yeah. anybody. I've learned my lesson too many times with them. But that being said, I think the first one of these we did in the beginning of the year, I said that the Yankees were the biggest lock of any team in baseball to win the division. I was eating Crow for quite a while this season on that, but now that they're back in the mix, I think I have to revert back to my original position and declare. You had it with right I was right all along. They will win the division. So Yankees Rays has been uh, one of the better rivalries in baseball these last couple of years. I know it gets overshadowed, obviously, by Yankees Red Sox all the time. But having those two go into the last couple of weeks of the season in a tight race would be very, very entertaining. A great thing for the game.
0: And the final thing, and I know most of baseball doesn't really, you know, usually it's uh, market specific when you're talking about wild card league wild card. Let's face it everybody's just really battling to go to Dodger Stadium for a game.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's funny, right? We just talked to Dodgers Padres for a couple minutes and didn't even mention the Giants, which in the beginning of the season, everyone was just waiting for the shoe to drop and them to fall out of contention. Let me, throw, he, let me throw something. Yeah, go.
0: In. I'm old. Go. I'll forget it. I apologize for the interruption. I think Brandon Crawford is the National League MVP.
1: Wow. That's a take. I don't necessarily hate it, though. I, I've always been a huge fan of Brandon Crawford.
0: and he, He's been the guy the that's been there him. every yeah. day. Every day.
1: Yeah. Getting it done. 100%, 100%. And, you know, kind of what we were just talking about, the people waiting for that other shoe to drop, especially in the first half of the season.
0: Yeah. He yeah. was
1: the one who was keeping them exactly where they were. There was no dip for them early on. And they they – padded their 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 record and their lead early on in the season with the way they got out of the gates and he was a huge huge part of that and I know he might not be the rangiest shortstop in the league at this point in his career but something that I always think about with Brandon Crawford is and this is kind of an interesting way to think about defense it's not who's the best defensive player but Bill Ripken who I had a chance to work with at OB Network for about a decade now he always phrases it this way talking about Brandon Crawford who he loves number one shortstop in the league that you want a routine ground ball hit at him with two <laughs> out ninth, And I think that's 100% accurate. I mean, he makes the plays he's supposed to make at an extremely high rate. I mean, he's obviously in his earlier years was a gold glover and was a pretty flashy defender. Honestly, he made a lot of acrobatic and kind of daring plays and behind the back flips and whatnot, glove flips, all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, he's one of the more sure-handed defenders in addition to the way he's been swinging the bat this year. So I don't know about MVP, but I like where your head's at.
0: Yeah. And so throw that around that you you work with some knucklehead uh, from the Midwest, but if you say, here's the best team and we can't figure out why they're winning. And then you look at the guy that has been there glue all year long. Now, Is Posey a better offensive player? Well, when he's in the lineup. Right. But I'm telling you, I think Crawford, if I were voting today, and we still got over a month, if I were voting today, I think I would vote for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you brought up Posey because I don't know if fans that aren't watching the Giants or following the NL West every day realize that they've had a really strict plan with Posey all year long. He's played two on, one off, without fail, basically all year. I haven't looked in the last – three or four weeks, maybe there was yeah. a day or two where they got away from it for injury or some kind of scheduling quirk or whatever. But through the all-star break, that was a hard and fast plan for Posey. And Brandon Belt, another guy that fits that description of having Crazy. been there for a long time, having a great year, he was out for a while too. But like you said, Crawford's been there. So, yeah, with every passing second of this conversation, you actually might be convincing me that he is, <laughs> he is the MVP.
0: So, yeah, I'm with you here. If they ridicule you at the office, just blame me. No, nah, it's fine. It's fine. I'll okay. just put your name under um, the and, and so what? And, uh, MLB network tonight.
1: Yeah, we've got Cubs, White Sox tonight, which should be fun. I know we've talked about the White Sox a lot throughout the year, but I'm really curious to uh, get a chance to talk to Tony again with kind of their yeah. full roster, getting back, um, getting back to where they thought they would be at least on paper before the season. I mentioned earlier, Grandalls coming back. Obviously Jimenez and Robert have been Robert. two huge pieces that they weathered the storm with and they're back now too. Uh, Dallas Keuchel on the mound tonight. So not having his best year, they've lost five of his last six starts. I'm kind of curious to see how he pitches tonight. Cubs aren't exactly the stiffest competition around right now, but yeah, should be uh should be good to watch the White Sox play, and always fun to talk to Tony. So we've got that coming up tonight, and then next week I'll be out in San Francisco, which great to get back to traveling, especially to a city like San Francisco for uh, Giants Brewers, which is a YouTube game. So Huge. that could be an NLCS preview. I haven't seen any either of those teams play in person this year. I haven't gotten a chance to talk to anybody with those teams. So really looking forward to that too.
0: Wow. So those two games and then next week, I mean, your, your MLB network is really setting up postseason nicely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've got some great games coming up and it should be fun down the stretch. We usually keep things kind of open-ended for the end of the season to see how the races shape up and we've got some good matchups falling into our lap. So it should be good. The-
0: Beautiful. As always, very insightful, Keith. Um, looking forward to the game tonight on MLB Network and looking forward to talking to you next week, buddy.
1: All right, Rammer. I'll talk to you next week.
0: That's Keith Costas. I'm Bob Ramsey. It's the Keith Costas podcast, and we'll see you next week.
1: Every day, Ameren Illinois works to deliver reliable energy throughout the state to on-the-go families, in-the-know grandparents, and busy students. But did you know we also have ways to manage your energy? Paperless billing outage notifications, pick a due date, auto pay, and so much more. So no matter who you are or how you use your energy, there's an option that's right
0: for you. Learn more at AmerinIllinois.com slash options.